0: You're listening to Feminist Killjoys PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel, and it's just me today. Uh, Melody and I are both sort of busy doing life stuff, self-care stuff this week, so we don't have a new episode for you, but we decided to play a rerun for you. Um, One of our earlier episodes, episode two, about tattoos and being women with tattoos And we decided to feature it again. Um, We hit our 20th episode milestone last week. And so we thought it was okay to do a little week hiatus, um, replay an oldie but a goodie, uh, maybe for some newer listeners who haven't heard some of our earlier stuff. So we hope you enjoy that. Um, So really quick, just some places that you can find us on the internet. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, fkj underscore phd uh, facebook feminist killjoys phd uh, twitter also fkj underscore phd Um, you can check out our feminist killjoys phd mixtape on spotify that features uh, all of our outro songs and sometimes other songs that we feature on the podcast um, if you'd like to support us financially, we would appreciate that so much. Um, we have a Patreon a site that you can just search for our name on Patreon. Um, or you can go to our website, website, podcast.com, and make a one-time donation on our main page. Um, you can always, uh, email Melody, uh, cause she's the one who checks the Gmail at fkj.phd at gmail.com. And finally, I just want to give another um, request for iTunes reviews. We are hovering at a steady 12, and we'd love to get that number up. Um, It's really helpful to the more reviews we have, the more uh, likely it is that we'll show up in searches for feminist podcasts, and um, we would love to have more listeners. So that is a cool, easy, free way you can help support us. Um, so yeah, just subscribe on iTunes and click on the leave a review thing. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, and since we're showing the, or playing rather the tattoo episode, uh, I thought it would be really cool if, uh, folks tweeted at us or, uh, Instagram pictures, uh, of stories of your tattoos and why you feel, uh, like your relationship to getting tattooed might be political or feminist if it is at all um and maybe we can retag some on our instagram with your permission so um hit us up let us know what you think of the episode what you think of your relationship to tattoos and we'll be back both of us next week
1: Feet up, all the on the You're listening
2: to Feminist no Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And
0: I'm Melody. And today we'll be talking about tattoos, specifically being women with lots of tattoos. But first, we'll talk about our lives and, as always, end the show with what we are listening to and what we are reading. All right. Welcome back, Rachel.
2: I'm doing fine. Welcome back,
0: Melody. Yeah? Are you excited for episode number two? I'm really excited. It was fun to uh,
2: promote our first one and get some listeners, and we got great Mm -hmm. feedback,
0: so it's very exciting. Totally. I agree. I'm excited, too. So, but what's going on in your life? Uh, well, since we last talked, uh, I went to, well, this weekend, I'll start with what I just did this this weekend. All night Friday, all day Saturday, and all day today, uh, I was leading a yoga sculpt teacher training at the yoga studio slash sculpt studio that I teach at, um, which is incredibly exhausting and stressful in that it takes up so much time. And as a professor, as you know, we work on weekends and we work all the time. So having, having lots of hours taken up was stressful, but being in, in the room of a yoga, like of a yoga training is just like very good posi vibes and energy. So it was actually, well, I was there. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty happy, but now I'm a little bit stressed out, but it's all good. So that was this weekend. Um, but what like the most exciting thing about my week was um, that I went to a talk on international women's day at Tufts University, and it was the opening night of the Black Excellence Tour hashtag Black Excellence Tour uh, featuring CC McDonald and Joshua Allen. Um, of course, we know CC. Uh, we know we we know of CC's story uh, very well since we uh, are both activists who lived in Minneapolis and you still live in Minneapolis. Um, for those that that don't know CC. Please look her up. She has uh, a story that is that is just reflective of the state of what it means to be a transgender woman of color in the United States today. Um, I, I won't get into the details, partly because Cece was at the event was also also didn't get into the details. She was like, "It happened two years ago. I'm so tired of talking about it." <laughs> so you know, do your own research. I won't spend any airtime on it either. Um, So, but Cece was, Cece's like just delightful and funny and um, really just charming uh, to be in a room with and hear her talk about uh, just her approach to social justice and um, being a black trans woman. And it was, it was really great. But I had never heard of or met Joshua Allen before, and they just knocked my socks off. I was really, really, really um, inspired in the way you're inspired when you meet like a big activist crush and you're like holy shit this person is down as fuck and has the best politics and you know talks about politics in a way that inspires you to just be a better activist um and it was just so such um such a such a privilege to be in, in a room with them, um, for an evening. And I learned, I learned new things and that's not always the case. You know, we go to these talks and it's like, sometimes it's kind of like, you know, quote unquote, preaching to the choir, but I learned things. Um, I learned this term operative solidarity. Have you heard of that Mel?
2: Operative solidarity. I have
0: not. So this was this came out of a discussion about allyship. There were a lot of you know it was a, of course because it's higher ed it was a room full of mostly white people, and uh, mm-hmm. so there were a lot of people being like, how can I as use my like white college, m- largely in the room cis cisgender privilege, um, to be a good ally? And so there was like a big discussion about allyship, and both Cece and Joshua pushed back on that a little bit. Um, Joshua brought up there was that article that was circ- circulating around activist communities about being an accomplice instead of an ally. And Joshua was like, I, you know, I, I I like that idea okay. And then they were like, but I'm I'm really excited about this idea of more of operative solidarity instead of being an ally that you're that you're an operative solidarity, and explained it basically as kind of like an interpersonal activist socialism in practice. So Joshua was basically like, it's basically the idea that if you have resources that, uh, that give you power, um, that you share those. So sometimes it can be as simple as, you know, you have a home with a room and you know, somebody in the community who does not have a home for whatever reason at, at some time or permanently. So then you share your home. Like it can be as simple as that, or maybe it, maybe it does mean donating to, causes that don't get money as often, you know, instead of donating to HRC, you donate to, uh, well, Sylvia Rivera Law Projects, I think is actually now defunct if I, if I know, but, you know, thinking about the groups, uh, that, that don't get, that don't have those, those resources. And so it's, 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 it's a more, um, it's a term that really encompasses this idea of, uh, to be in solidarity means giving up some of what you have. It's not just being like, I stand by queer people or I stand by people of color. It's like, okay, I stand by them. And also I'm going to give something up so that they have something to help create a more equal playing field. And uh, that's like such, that's such an important, (laughs) it's such an important challenge, I think, for any of us who care about social justice because it's the hardest thing. Like we can all, we can all say we're allies, but unless we're actually giving up something to, to help, uh, you know, the cause of liberation, then we're not doing enough maybe. So it was a really, it was a really kind of humbling moment to, to, to be in that space.
2: That sounds really, really inspiring. And
0: yeah, it was, the
2: i guess the i haven't heard the term operative solidarity before but i've definitely been told this that theory or not theory but that yeah. ask of give up what you have right. um to support right. others you know like i was at um this you know equity nonprofit conference called policy link in LA a couple months ago mm-hmm. and uh, a few very small organizations were there and they're A lot of them were repeating like, okay, all of you, you know, organizations out there listening to us, cheering us on, give us your money. Like you have a ton of Mm -hmm. money and we Mm -hmm. don't and turn it Mm -hmm. over, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and also this, uh, concept really resonates with what I was going to kind of talk about with my life. Um, so let's see this week. I had some interesting moments in which people of color were centered, um, in places that usually aren't. So that's been really Mm -hmm. good. Uh, for example, so this kind of operative solidarity is exactly what happened at my, um, bike organization that I volunteer Mm -hmm. with. They, Mm -hmm. so I'm on this diversity equity task force and I'm, I'm doing some research for the coalition on a volunteer basis, Mm -hmm. but the meeting is like, you know, no surprise to people who do this, uh, mostly white people actually. Mm -hmm. And the staff person who helps run the meetings is a person of color and, Mm -hmm. uh, they use they, them pronouns. And so they were, Mm -hmm. they basically came to our meeting and said, um, we're going to turn this into a person of color space. And it was so interesting. I mean, they took some time to unravel it, but You know, they were asking questions such as, are you okay turning the space over to people of color and do you trust them? And of course, most, not all of us, most of us were in agreement with that um, in terms of yes, we will turn over the space. But I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing, like if you're going to have a committee that's committed to diversity and equity (laughs) and all the people there are white or mostly white or, you know, some of the people of color on the committee come from a very privileged background, you know, and so right. it doesn't really resonate with the, with the market or the right. market. That's such a unemotional term the target. Yeah. The group the, of people yeah, I, that
0: we're trying to right. yeah,
2: work with. Right. So yes. that was
0: awesome. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Do it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, it sounds like we both had really cool moments thinking about and, and what you witnessing um, that kind of, practice in action that's really cool yeah Um, but it was
2: hard for at least one white person to give up the power you know or like they felt uncomfortable just making the switch they were they kept saying they were very confused um and so they were a couple steps behind the rest of us in terms of understanding people of color spaces but um yeah it was it was fascinating to watch somebody really struggle with that that power because it is it's very uncomfortable there was this amazing quote that I found this morning. I will butcher it now, but it's it was something like, you know, for people that have privilege, uh, the act of equality or trying to gain equality for other people feels like oppression to them.
0: Right. I, I think I've seen that that quote going around as well. Yeah, I've totally. Never seen
2: it, but it was like, that's it. That's why, you know, that guy got right. upset. That's why my white male students get so upset when I tell it's them. It's entitlement, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: Yeah totally. Um, this assumption that we, people with privilege d- deserve it. And that if it's, and that if, you know, that if it's taken away and that they deserve it in ways that somehow other people don't, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough lesson for, for folks in positions of privilege to learn. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. One of my students was telling me that her dad um, they're all white. Her dad felt yeah. very oppressed at his school that he teaches at because they were really trying to privilege a more diverse teacher body. Mm-hmm. And I think he was going through some diversity training and he just felt mm-hmm. honestly, like felt oppressed. And she brought, you know, she brought that comment into class and also yeah. is really resonating with him. And, you know, she really does believe that he is oppressed because other right. people are going to be centered or
0: you know privileged over him right right and so that's 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 really hard it's mm-hmm. i mean it's hard to to hear that um how did you how did you respond like was the student like self-aware of this but you're no you're saying the student agrees with him
2: I thought she was well. We we have had a couple email conversations about it because she did feel really mm-hmm. silenced in class, not by me but by mm-hmm. the other students being like, you know, saying that basically white people can't be oppressed in that way. But yeah, um, I try to. T- I should. If I would have had it at the ready, I was trying to explain to them the equity versus equality and the boxes and that some people just need a couple extra boxes. And so if the African-American woman teacher gets three more boxes and your dad gets zero more boxes, it's not...
0: It's okay that your dad doesn't get... Right.
2: Yeah. Nothing's getting taken away from you. Other people are just getting some additional resources. But I mean, we don't we talk about race and class issues in, in my classroom, but we don't have the theory to really break it down much more than, you know, much more than I did that day. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, Well, do you talk, I mean, because this, this, this has come up, you know, obviously in probably in most people's classrooms that talk, that talk about these issues at all. I mean, but inter- I mean, intersectionality obviously helps that as well. Um, so, you know, your dad, or that person's dad could be oppressed in certain ways but not when it comes to their power as a white person mm-hmm. like does that you know you know yeah. what i mean like that that's um that when we have these intersectional identities that some some parts of our identity will be privileged and some will be oppressed but if we match the sort of dominant hegemonic norm mm-hmm. then that means we have power <laughs> and and you know inevitably a white male and I, don't, I won't make assumptions, but I assume straight, cisgender, male. Um, yeah, coming with some kind just, of
2: privilege, it, like right. background, like class right. privilege, too, it seems like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I am so anyway,
2: very aware of the working class, you know. Totally. Working class white people are cannot be talked about the same way that, you know, upper class white people. Totally. So Absolutely. I just want to make that, yeah. that clarification, yeah. too.
0: Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's uh, let's keep moving since uh, we have so much to talk about. Um Quick shout-out in terms of other current event-y type stuff. You want to talk about what we we talked about that we're excited about?
2: Yeah, Chicago, bringing it to the Donald Trump rally. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to all those organizers for doing wonderful things. Uh, Just a quick shout-out to the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Those are the people that you can donate money to if you want to help with the people that were arrested. Uh, Some people were... Obviously injured and taken to the hospital, so there'll be bills for that. And Chicago is doing amazing activist work continuously, so any extra money will be given um, to future uh, projects that they're working on.
0: Yeah, yep, we'll link that. And um, also, the, in the same visit, um, DePaul's law school canceled Trump's visit to a DePaul building. I think I think I'm getting that that all correct. And DePaul's alma mater, DePaul, is what politicized me. More than anything, I was starting to get politicized before I went to college, but um, it's just such a rad – I mean, all Chicago activists are amazing in general, but um, DePaul, I think, has a, has a particularly badass student and, and grad student. And the law school – the law students there are, like, badass law students who just want to defend people and, and decarcerate people and reduce the size of the prison industrial complex, and it's really amazing, so –
2: Excellent.
0: That's
2: that. Cool. Yeah. And I feel a little, um, one, one last thing that I want to add into the Trump's discussion is I feel a little helpless up here in Minnesota because I'm such an activist, but he came in third place, like we were talking about last week. So he came in third place Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. He's never going to come here. So I feel I really want to help, you know, organize a white ally group, but it's like, it's going to be so worthless up here. So all I can do, I'm just going to keep sending money and support other people, other white people to get involved because white people can get into Trump rallies easier than people of color. So keep that in mind. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, totally.
2: All right. Want to talk about tattoos? Yes.
0: Yes. So, uh, we both have tattoos. You have many more than I do. Um, but we both, they're both, we both have visible tattoos. Mel, do you have, you have a one full sleeve, um, and then what's going on in your other arm?
2: My other arm I got almost, it's not a sleeve, nothing's designed as a sleeve, but I only have like my back top arm that's open okay. right now, <laughs> available <Okay. laughs> for more tattoos, yeah. Almost okay. covered, almost covered. Mm-hmm.
0: And you have, yeah, and we both have some on our legs and our ankles and... Um, I got feet tattoos. Other parts of our body. What's yeah. that? I said I have yeah. feet
2: tattoos. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, which I commit before because I don't think I'll ever. Oh I'll my just, was that the most painful? Yes. Yeah. Both in <laughs> yeah. getting
2: it and then the uh, the healing because it you know your tattoos itch but oh my oh it was
0: just awful. Yeah, I bet. Just can I? You'll love this. I we'll get into sort of the juicier depth of this topic in a moment. <laughs> but um, but uh the. I have a friend from Cleveland who has on her toes, like, you know, the way people get knuckle tattoos across her toes. It says union made because her parents were both union and she's like, isn't that amazing? That is so great. Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, Anyway, so we both kind of wanted to talk about this because I think there's something unique to being covered in tattoos as, first of all, women, um second of all professors uh i guess that's sort of our both of our common ground um so i don't know do you want to sort of talk about your motivation for your tattoos we can talk about that and then we can sort of get into like what it means to like live live as women who are tattooed tattooed women
2: yeah i mean my mo- wow, that is such a deep question that you did not prepare me for. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, like, well, I, let me that? say this. Let me say this. My tattoos have. I kind of go down two uh, paths with my tattoos. Half of them are jokes. I have an Ira glass tattoo, a South Beach tattoo, um, a BFF tattoo for my BFF mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Um, but then I also have more symbolic tattoos. So I have a, a Mr. Rogers Trolley on my forearm because he's like my spiritual guidance. Um, I have Mm -hmm. uh, tattoos that are dedicated to kids that I watched for a long time that are like family. You know, I have a, you know, I have uh, the Bread and Roses tattoo on my feet for union power, specifically Mm -hmm. involving women. So, you know, I got a little bit of both. Um, I think, you know, I would look at other women and think like, oh my God, they look so hot with, those tattoos you know and I kind of wanted to emulate that when I was younger and then it just it becomes addicting at at a certain point and you just start thinking about your body in terms of where can I put my next tattoo so
0: that that that, that's my answer okay that's a good answer thanks um I think I think it's a similar route is that I you know kind of grew up in the punk scene and was surrounded by women who I sort of looked up to who a little bit older than me and written tattoos. And just like, I just thought they were gorgeous. And saying it was kind of, I was like, that is what beauty is. Like that is what being like a hot woman is mm-hmm. and uh, how I certainly didn't have the language for this at the time, but how like that feels pretty fucking feminist to be like, you're hot because of something you chose to put on your body, not anything about your, not the shape of your body, not the you know, not not anything like it's, it's like you had the agency to make this decision, and modify your body with art that you chose that you know, and and also it's like fucking badass that you're having like needles in your arm. I don't know, mm-hmm. something kind of cool and powerful about that. So anyway, so yeah, definitely the aesthetic, like the punk aesthetic, was really appealing to me. Um, and then I think the second reason that I also didn't have the language for when I first started getting them but that I think sort of transitions into my second question for you is that I also grew up prior to the punk scene. I grew up in, you know, a working class, rural, most, you know, white working class, um, relatively rural kind of half rural, half suburbs, um, area where many people had tattoos, mostly men, Mm. but sometimes women Mm. as well. Um, that would be considered like i think the aesthetic we were describing is like kind of like suicide girls punk punk aesthetic but i grew up well like suicide girls yeah (laughs) yeah
2: excellent reference about
0: suicide girls
2: no i love i did a yes my master's thesis is on suicide girls um yeah just amazing reference Um, okay continue yeah you know
0: um (laughs) but but then i had this whole other route of tattoos is that i was surrounded by like quote-unquote, like, trashy people with trashy tattoos. Mm. But the thing about it is, and it wasn't like I necessarily was like, ooh, I want, like, I don't know, um, what's, like, a stereotypical trash, you know, barbed wire, what do you call those things? When it's, like, barbed wire. A uh, uh, Oh, and a, you
2: know, a, a just, band, like an armband?
0: Yeah, like, you know, something that people kind of make fun of as trashy whatever, and it's not like oh. I necessarily want those, but – the fact that I was surrounded by people who were like, tattoos are no big deal. Um, you're like, there was no sense of most of the people I, a lot of, many of the people I grew up with from like my, my actual sort of hometown were, would have had jobs where it mattered if you were covered in tattoos. And that's not the norm for middle-class people and upper-class people. Correct. So, you know, I think that leads me to, so for me at, retrospectively, my tattoos are about punk. They're about being working class. Um, They're about my particular like femme aesthetic. But I think that leads me to ask you, like, why, why do, why do we think that, why do we feel empowered to change our bodies in ways that so many people say you shouldn't, particularly women? Like, what was it for you that made you like not give a shit that you got a sleeve? You know?
2: Oh, my goodness. Another hard question. Uh, Well, I think it was more about, I think I've always, I can't remember when I first wanted to get a tattoo, but I remember not being able to get a tattoo because of the jobs I had. Um, So, Mm -hmm. And I come from a middle to upper class background, and I worked in the serving industry for most of my teen life and up into my 20s. And for, this is different now, um, but when I was, I can't believe this is like generational. When I was younger, um, you couldn't have tattoos if you were a server. And Mm -hmm. so I worked at TGI Fridays and smaller cafes and you just couldn't have tattoos or piercings. And so I knew I wanted them, but I was being, you know, stifled. And then I got a job at P.F. Chang's where you could have, uh, we had to wear full sleeve button up shirts So I knew I Mm -hmm. could get a tattoo then. And so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I think, but I, I honestly think some of it was a a big F you to the suburbs that I grew up in, you know, because I often, I don't think that way about my tattoos anymore, but I did not like growing up in the suburbs. I loved, and I'm very grateful for the education I got, but I did not like anything about the suburbs and I knew I was different and I knew I wanted to be in a different subculture and I think getting yep. those tattoos really helped me ch- identify with different subcultures and kind of hail other people to me, you know, like, totally. look at you know, it's, it's totally. a symbol. And even now I do that. Like if I need to, I don't know, sometimes I get in these situations where I feel like I need cred. And so I'll push my sleeves up so people can see yeah. my tattoos. Other times <laughs> totally. I push them down, but, um, it is, yeah. a, it's a, it's a way to communicate things to the particular people. Um, and so I found that to be really useful transitioning from the suburbs to the city when I was in my young twenties.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, it, yeah, I, I just, I just want to say that I, I echo that, that I really like that it, um, that, that I see people notice them who also have tattoos, you know, the people that I would like also want to like give the like the nod to like you know there's people talk about like the queer nod like you know like butch lesbians like nod at each other like I see you like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um and kind of like a similar like camaraderie um do you think it's a little harder do you think more and more people are getting tattoos and it's harder to tell like who is like like being fucking punk rock and who's just like being trendy because they have like an arrow on their arm that they saw on Tumblr or something.
2: Well, see, you know that, what I'm talking that's about. That's the thing. You can tell the difference between, and I think heavily tattooed people only know the difference. And so, like, we can tell who's getting trendy tattoos and who's not. You know? Yeah. I just totally. I can just tell. You can tell with aesthetics, like, and usually they get tattoos where they cover them up. They can't, you know, you can't see yep. them. Um, sometimes I question people's choices of tattoos, like, whoa, you went there (laughs) already? Okay. But, um, no, I don't have a, although now now this gets into people communicating to you about your tattoos, which is, um, something we definitely should talk about, but it's also when other people have tattoos, but the questions they ask you also really tips you off to, you know, what kind of tattoo person they are. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, so I give, can see there's definitely example. differences in the cultures. I can tell.
0: Can you give an example of some questions you've been asked where you're like, oh, this person is rad. I want to talk to you and answer that question. Or this person is tat calling me, which maybe you wanted to find that for us. Yeah. So
2: an example of a, uh, <laughs> a decent question I've been asked is, Hey, did X artist do your work? And so, of course, okay. they recognize yep. They're it. They're,
0: like, name-dropping. They know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll
2: say – and they've they've always been correct, too, which is impressive. Um, or they'll say, yeah, oh, cool. I didn't even know this about my Mr. Rogers tattoo, but it's a trash polka style of a tattoo. And so okay. somebody at my hair salon that I go to was like, is that a trash polka tattoo? And I said, what? And they said, oh, it's Here, let me show you. And they showed me more stuff on their phone. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And so I definitely (laughs) engaged with them in that. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, Cool.
2: But, you know, the the questions that tip me off that this is just an annoying dude trying to strike up a conversation is like. Is that Buddy Holly on your leg? You know it's Ira Glass, oh, yeah. You know, or <laughs> yeah. Cool Ink, or they use words that are incorrect, um, right? <laughs> and it's just uh, there's or it's the just embarrassing the, for that. Oh my god! When I was waitressing when I was younger, a man grabbed my arm and like twisted my Ugh. arm around to see all the stuff. I was like, excuse me. So this yeah. goes to the there's this wonderful person. Which we'll link to in the uh, on our our website, but came up with this concept called tat calling, which is like cat calling, except you know when guys ask you about your tattoos, and it was so helpful for me. And I have a question for you about this, Rachel, because. Okay. I get really annoyed when dudes on the street just use my tattoos as a reason to start talking to me, and it to them it's like, oh, this is like a much better way to talk to her instead of making some comment about my body. They think it's not a comment about my body, but it really is and I couldn't really pinpoint why I was so uncomfortable with this and it it all started with my Iraglass tattoo that I have. love you, Iraglass, yeah, but um. People would ask me about it constantly and I hated it. I hated people asking me about it because the conversation went nowhere. Is that right. Holly? No, it's not. Is that Al Franken? <laughs> no, it's not. The only, only times when somebody will come up and they'll be like, oh my goodness, that's Ira Glass. And then we hug and then they take a picture and then that's the best, right? But it's yeah. this, because it's a face, people, it's like a really easy question to ask me. Right. And I actually changed, so I have a Mr. Rogers trolley tattoo, but you can't actually tell that that's what it is, and yeah. it's because of the tat calling that I did that, because I said, yeah. oh my goodness, if people are going to recognize this, this is going to be worse than Ira because people are going right. to know what this is, and just ask me silly questions, and right. my... And it's hard because they'll, there's arguments, and this is my question for you, Rachel: Is that there's arguments made that you know people get tattoos for attention? You know, we get it, we get these tattoos so then people will look at our bodies um, to draw attention to us, and you know, obviously that is not some that's not the reason I get my tattoos. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll come back to this later, but I want to say that I we both live in big cities where. People are tattooed all over the place. So we don't actually stick out, you know? So the concept of being stared at because we have tattoos is kind of weird because we don't look all that different in in the city. But I know that um, you and I, we've gotten into fights about this in the past. We have divergent opinions on being spoken to in public. And so, kind of all the stuff that I just said, does that, like, resonate with you? Or do you not mind, like, yeah. when people come up to you and say, like, oh, beautiful tattoo? Like, do, do you enjoy that? Because I know, you know, we've had discussions in the past about
0: Yeah, this. I think when I saw that you wanted to ask me about this, I I definitely think, certainly in the past, I've been like, oh, you know, some... Sometimes it's really nice to have, like, a human conversation with somebody and, like, there are some really, there's some nice guys out there that just want to say, like, hi, have a good day. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I, I was in that place. And honestly, um, I don't know if it's just getting older and more years on this earth as a woman that I'm just so fucking sick of being, having, like, low-level anxiety every day because I'm scared that, this one person who talks to me is going to like, you know, not that I, I hate this sort of like stereotype that like sexual assault happens by strangers. Cause I like random strangers, like all the time, which is not the case, but obviously women are more at risk for violence everywhere, including in public. Um, so uh, no, the uh, so again, I don't know if it's the older I get, the more like, just like generally, less patience I have for that kind of thing. I'm less inclined to feel charmed by somebody asking me questions in, in public. Occ- occasionally I still find it like, and it's like you're saying, like there are these situations when you're like, you know this person, um, you can tell when they actually mean well and you can tell when they're being a creep. But also in general, if it's like a dude, uh, they should just like err on the side of probably not talking to us about our body generally. Like... I, 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 so all of that is to say that I think I, I agree with you that I don't, I'd rather not, I'd rather not talk about it. I've had, I'm thinking just in the past like month, I've actually, I think I've had like two women comment on my arm and the, one was like an older woman who was like, is that a raven? I just, they're my favorite bird. And I was like, Oh, how lovely. Like that was like, and that was fine. Like no big deal. But, uh, but I'm with you. I think like, I certainly wouldn't say that I, that's that's why I want tattoos it's not like I want everybody to come up and ask me about them at all like I and this is another good transition I think for us like I dread I don't want my students to ask me like unless it's like a you know maybe like in office hours or whatever I just don't feel like dealing with being like oh what are your tattoos of like in the middle of class like you know let's not talk about my body like it's not we don't need to do that
2: yeah. And let me, I do want to transition in talking about our lives at school. Um, I do want to say though, in terms, if there's, um, our fellow feminist men listening, um, they'll, they'll know this, but like, it. it, it this is a very gendered issue because men don't talk to other men like this about their tattoos. Men don't right. sit and like complain about, Oh God, these stupid people ask me about my tattoos, you know? Um, right. Not in the same way. And so that's been made very clear. I never even really thought about it. But then once I read about calling, they're like, dudes don't do this to other dudes. I was like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah,
2: they don't. That's not fair. And, you know, at school, the people that well, my school is a little different because I keep getting I'm I go to or I teach at a very conservative school. But for the most part, men, men who are my students are the ones that make most of the comments, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just, men talking to me about my body, especially my students just like creeps me out, but they think tattoos are different, you know, or my clothes Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What's like, what's your, do you cover up at school?
0: No, um, no, I don't. Uh, I used to like for the first couple weeks, I would wear sleeves that were long enough that they couldn't see them. And occasionally, like, honest to God, it's like the temperature of the room. Like my first week at the school that I teach at now, my very first year there, um, I was concerned about about my tattoos a little bit because they hadn't seen them on, on the interview. Um, and the, uh, I just didn't get the sense that everybody in the department would be down, but it was, there's no air conditioning in the, in the building that I'm in. And it was like, a sickeningly hot August week and I was like I am not going to fucking wear long sleeves to cover up my tattoos I'm just not going to do it. Um so I didn't. Uh and now yeah I don't um but yeah back in I think back in grad school I was like I'm going to like make them build build their confidence in me by covering my tattoos and then I'll you know once once I have them that they trust trust that I'm like a solid person I'll reveal my tattoos but like I just don't have time for that bullshit anymore.
2: Wow, I have a completely different trajectory. Um Interesting. So we both went to the same grad program, so at the U at, in Minneapolis, I uh let my tattoos show and it was not an issue at all. Uh people didn't really make any comments about it. And I think, you know, your comments about, you know, the years adding on to being a woman, you know, I think, you know, earlier If people were commenting about my tattoos, I just honestly don't remember it being annoying. Right, Um, right. But I just, like, did not care. Like, the stuff that I wore, my work clothes showed my tattoos for sure. Um, I then went to a liberal arts college, and I covered up a little bit more there. But that was such a liberal space that, again... People, it wasn't a credibility thing, but mm-hmm. the students were coming from all sort, from all sorts of different places, um, and maybe hadn't seen somebody with tattoos, like a woman with tattoos, and, right. and so it was a distraction for them. And now at the right. community college that I'm at, it is a full blown distraction. Um, from administration all the way down to my students, they will literally say, I'm, they will stop me when I'm talking and say, I'm sorry, your tattoo is really distracting. What is it? And enough of those situations. And I cover up completely now at
0: school. Wow. That's Um, so interesting.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's really different. Um, I have a fellow, uh, woman bicyclist friend here who also covers up for, for her work and we were kind of talking about why that is and for her you know we were talking about how a lot of it is about not wanting the attention like just not wanting Mm -hmm. to have those conversations anymore and Mm -hmm. especially where i'm at i i do stick out you know in minneapolis no at my work i stick out a lot and i honestly don't realize how much i stick out because of my tattoos my hair is somewhat blue right now but you know, I walked in there thinking like it was Minneapolis. It right. was only it's only thirty minutes north, but holy right. cow, just right. the comments and oh, so I just was like, Nope, I fully cover up. If it's hot, I don't take off my sweater. I mean the most yeah. I'll do is I found a long cardigan that has like holes in it, like it's kind of crocheted or something. Um, yeah. so you can kind of see that I have tattoos, but you can't see what they are. So you can't make comments,
0: you know? Okay. Yep. 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 But man, Yeah. that's, that's, int- that's interesting. Um, go ahead, man at what?
2: Oh no, that, uh, you know, even with the ministry, well, this is the thing they don't, they just ask me questions. Oh, what's on your arm? What's, what's that? It's like, I don't want to talk to you about what's on my arm. Like we're in a meeting right. right now, you know? Right. And they're just really. trying to do it like um from a inclusion thing you know like oh I'm gonna be nice and ask her about my uh, ask her about her tattoos so she feels like she's welcome you know with her look right Uh, Right. and it just annoys me and so even when I'm just with my peers at school I cover up I don't want to do it yeah Yeah. it's just oh it's so frustrating I had to buy like Now when I go shopping, I'm like full, and it's, my arms are long too, so I have to get these like large cardigans, like I don't even do three, four sleeve cardigans, because people can see a lot of my stuff, and, yeah, oh, it's so,
0: just what's on your arm, it's so distracting, like, wow, that's interesting, yeah, it is, yeah, I guess I, I do, you know, I really, um, I am all about not like, sweating like, crazy in the Mm -hmm. middle of class so I do do in terms of temperature but I also like when if I know I'm going to see like the president of the of the college I I will try to cover them up um like I do in in certain company of of the school particularly if I'm like sitting in a meeting where I'm going to be like people can see me for like an hour straight just looking at me as opposed to like walking through the hall do you Mm -hmm, know what I mean mm -hmm. um yeah I am mindful about that more so with my peers though with my colleagues than my hmm. students I think my students surely um notice them I mean I definitely stick out at Merrimack that's for damn sure I mean I don't I I would think I could maybe count on one I oh I just said the name of my school <laughs> um also so we're both out of out of the closet hey Rachel school. you
2: know what uh, though you know what though what there's this thing called google where like people could just google us and like google us i know. I was good. just i was like i was thinking about that it's like we use our full names i mean one google search and it'd be like bam
0: right yeah no it's true anyway um <laughs> but yeah i i point is i stick out i stick out of that school um but yeah i don't know what my like zero fucks to give attitude came from because that's not usually me that's usually me you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I just uh you know I've gotten well this is another a whole nother episode just like my my like cynicism towards the academy like and you're what you're not you're not talking about like honoring the professional academy you're talking about like getting through class for your own you know sort of ability to get through class like um so that's different but I think maybe that's part of it that I just like am so frustrated with academia that I'm like I just don't fucking care what you think and especially since my students don't comment I'm just like okay great doing great cool yeah um so I guess the sort of last thing there's another article that um I want to post on the website called um, painted Ladies, Why Women Get Tattoos, from The Guardian. And there was something there about how women with visible tattoos, uh, large, visible, sort of like aggressive tattoos, um, challenge femininity. And uh, I really, I think that's cool too, to think about how how tattoos play with gender, um, because... I think there is something and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about it being feminist to like what a woman chooses for her body. But I think there is um, I think it's really powerful for for women to do something uh, that goes against norms. Like, I mean, you know, it's one thing for a woman to, you know, I don't know not match the hegemonic norm of beauty based on how she was born but like mm-hmm. to choose to go out of your way to not match the hegemonic ideal of beauty is like kind of badass
2: that's true and I also challenges gender you know i guess i've kind of always been that way though
0: so yeah
2: i never even really yeah thought about and it. so, it's like yeah go us but i'm like uh well that's always kind of right. been my goal so
0: right right but and also me, i think
2: Like what you were saying or what we were both saying about finding other women attractive that look like that or like look like us, you know, it's just because we've always been attracted to that kind of
0: look anyways, too. Right. But I think we both knew that that wasn't like mainstream America's definition of like a hot babe necessarily, you know, which was Um, part of the
2: allure for me, at least
0: for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and certainly for me, too, like being a punk identified person, like wanting to thwart those things, but also like. Uh, so maybe we can have another like episode on like gender identity, but identify like very strongly as femme, like not just woman, but like as femme, as a queer femme woman who is like into really hyper feminine things like high heels and short skirts and bright lipstick and all those things. So for me, I think it's really fun that I get to, um, juxtapose what this, this article that I'll post is sort of arguing is, um, red as is, red is not feminine um, with like the sort of hyper femininity. So I don't know. True. I guess that's fun for my my own gender play, I guess, since, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's it. And we can make boring outfits look really cool just with our tattoos. Have you ever thought that? Totally. Like, oh, this dress oh, yeah. is boring, but it shows off my tattoos. So then like that's part of the outfit.
0: Totally. That's yeah. why I love also wearing red lipstick because I have um, red roses on my arm now. As an addition to what was already there And I'm like oh my I match And like <laughs> I like you know, It's great, That's great. Um, But I did want to say did you know that I think it was for the Grammys That Lady Gaga um, had a makeup artist Cover up her tattoos No Yeah Why? I was like so I was so heartbroken I don't know It was like she was wearing this beautiful dress That was like you know <laughs> fell on her Shoulders in a particular way I'll, We'll link an article to that too um didn't she have like a full and, yeah. suit on or something no this was i remember thinking like i'm surprised you didn't do that at the oscars and not the grammys but i'm almost positive it was the grammys hang on quick google grammys lady gaga um tattoos i should probably put uh yeah well we can link this but anyway just the idea that that happened um like oh at, the, that at the
2: grammys not the oscars correct the Oscar correct is the Oscars. That's when she did her sexual assault song, right? Right. So correct. she was fully dressed. She was. Oh, she... this
0: was. She yeah, that was at the Oscars. I just googled it. It was the Golden Globes. She went to the Golden Globes, and all of her tattoos had makeup over them. Oh. Yeah, and you can like see them in close-up pictures, and it's like you know what? Okay, do you like? I should. I don't. I don't want to be like. I don't. I sort of hate that I just made this like about. A woman's like judging a woman's choice, but like it just sort of bummed me out. It was like just just own it. I don't know.
2: She's probably. Do you think she's one of the few people though in that in that crowd that would have tattoos? You know, maybe it was one of those like I don't want it to stick yeah. out kind of thing because Golden Globes is more like T. Is it just TV and film? Is it it's, t- t-
0: it's TV and film. Okay, yeah. so like um, yes.
2: actors can't like have cheese. a lot of tattoos because right. They, so. She was working in a crowd that like did not have, you know. Yeah, that as I know, but it.
0: But so do. But so do we. <laughs> like at. I know. Well, I guess what well, you're saying, and you're. Well, you're saying you cover. I mean, that's true. Yeah. I guess it's not. I guess it's not that dissimilar. Okay, I take back my judgment. I just, for me, it just felt sad because I thought, I thought it was like a comment of. Uh, I mean, honestly, no. Lady Gaga does not get that excuse. She has like yeah, that's a true. A billion dollars. She's crazy. Power. <laughs> like. <laughs> Not crazy, banana. I try to say banana. Oh, I'm so sorry. Crazy. Yes, yep. I'm very no, sorry. Take one. that back. Um, no, no, sh- please. Um, yes, bananas, in a good way, bananas. like
2: bananas.
0: Looney Tunes. Right. Is Looney Tunes okay? Uh, I think that's probably still kind of too associated with okay, okay, facility stuff. But I meant um, it
2: literally, like the cartoon. But yeah, okay,
0: yes. <laughs> no, I <laughs> yes. will not say that.
2: Oh, because the Looney Bin. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, No, I know we all are. She's eccentric already. Yeah. Why would such a, maybe she's changing her image a little bit. She
0: seems to. She, yeah. I mean, I think she's, she's toning down, but I guess, I guess that's just my point. Like she, she's very powerful. She could get away with showing her tattoos. It's not like she's at risk for anything. Um, And so for me, it just came off as like a, these tattoos are not acceptable or they're not, um, that I can't feel beautiful in this dress if I have these tattoos just think maybe that was my own internalized whatever I don't know but that's that did we talk enough about tattoos or do we have more to say I have nothing else to say about tattoos (laughs) I bet you do but I think it's a good time to move on um since we've been talking for a while um okay what uh what book are you reading this
2: week? What book am I reading? I'm reading no books because I get the New York times delivered on Sundays. And so I actually nice. take the whole week to like read the New York times, but cool, I do need to be reading cycling city, which is this I'm reviewing it for a journal. And it's this book about 19th century bicycling, which I've done a lot of research on. Um, but there's so much research done on it that I hope that he's on, he's clearly unearthed something new, but I'm not really sure what. And so I'm really going to be looking for, does he talk about women and people of color? Cause there's like no research done on people of color bicyclists in the mm-hmm. 19th century. There's yeah. many reasons for that, but I really hope that he's unearthed some of that stuff. So I'm excited yeah. to dig into that. It's my spring break coming up. So I hope to okay yeah dig in. So what are you reading? Cool.
0: Uh, I'm still working through the Angela Davis book I mentioned last week, and then before bed uh, every night, I've been reading a couple poems from Andrea Gibson's (laughs) latest book of poetry called Pansy, and uh, do you know Andrea Gibson? No, but poems before bed sounds great. It's really lovely. It's been lovely. I had like a super sob fest, though. I read, there were like three poems that were just like, speak in my heart, and it was I just was, like, sobbing one day before bed, um, but in a good way, in, like, a cathartic way. Um, yeah, Andrea Gibson, I'm actually not sure of their pronouns, so I'll use they. Um, they are an incredible queer poet that writes words that make heart melt and feel like, the po- the book is, it's, like, it's my favorite kind of book. It is, like, queer poetry that is both deeply political and also about love. <laughs> and, um, so it's just like these juxtapositions of there's a poem, a poem, a poem, a poem, a, a poem called Ferguson about Ferguson. Mm. Um, and, uh, then there's also just like devastating heartbreak poems. And, uh, then there's some that are a mix of both of them. Like, let, let me talk about race in the context of being in love or whatever. Mm. um, so it's, I, I highly recommend it. That sounds great. Yeah, sounds awesome. it's super good. Uh,
2: what about music? Oh, this wait, you know what? Uh, what? Before we get to music, I was going to ask you that Angela Davis book that you're reading about, like Palestine is in the title. Title. Can yeah. you explain to me? the connections that she's making between racial justice and Palestine. Cause I've been seeing that connection made a lot. And I honestly don't, besides like the oppressive nature that Pal- Palestinians are living under, like, is there more to the comparative work there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so actually, and actually Joshua Allen who I mentioned earlier talked explicitly about the connection between black lives matter and um, the occupation of Palestine. Um, this could also be its, its, its own episode. Okay. I mean, I would say number, so I'll just do it super quickly. Like yeah. number one, um, if you're thinking about liberation for all oppressed people in like a third world Marxist sense, which is what Angela Davis and the Black Panthers and people who I really respect politically operate from, then you are deeply invested in Thinking about the relationship between the oppression of people in the third world and people who are oppressed because of similar things, i.e., global capitalism, okay. um, in the same way. So it's 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 part part of like from Davis's Angela Davis's perspective, I think it's very much rooted in that critique of global capitalism and that black people in the U.S. like like there is a link between slavery and capitalism, the exploitation of black people is related to economic exploitation, and the United States capitalist system that has created this global capitalist market is also linked to the oppression of the Palestinian people. And so there's there's the global capitalism critique. And then there's also some, I think, really important stuff and parallels between the way that Palestinians get talked about and otherized, and the way that black people in America get talked um talked dis- discussed in like media and discourse and otherized. And do you know what pinkwashing is? Yeah. So this this idea that when Israel pinkwashes and says, we're so great about LGBT rights, clearly we're great on human rights, but we're gonna like kill Palestinians every single day. Similarly in the US, when people are, when the U.S. is like, we're so great on human rights, we're the most progressive place in the world, look how much we love, you know, we have a black president, oh hey by the way, like black men die at alarmingly disproportionate rates to the rest of the population, oh by the way, like all this stuff. So it's it's also this link to like these western superpowers um, in which I, I, I'm just going to throw Israel into, into that into that mix um, uh, in, well in terms of power um, using using um, the sort of capital O other to say that we're like that they're better than Palestine on X issue the same way that the United States is like we're so great. But then ignores what they're doing wrong. I'm not explaining this well because we don't have enough time for it. But does that is that does that clear up some? Does that help some connections? Yeah, I was I was
2: just curious, and also um, in my world, pinkwashing is the uh,
0: when the breast cancer thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like,
2: yeah, where are you going with this? Yeah. Uh, different yeah. form of pinkwashing. Thank you for educating me on all of those things.
0: Um, that's great. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so pink yeah, different. We should do we should do an episode on both forms of pink washing one day. <laughs> Great. I'll be the pink washing expert um, about breast cancer yeah. music? and you can take
2: Palestinian. Yeah. Okay, music. Okay. Um this is totally uh, you know, just as serious as the topic you were just talking about. The song I've been listening to on repeat <laughs> is Justin Bieber's Sorry.
0: Yes. I you, you I don't think we've talked about how much I love Justin Bieber. Did you know that?
2: I do know that because I remember when we were out of town together for a conference, and you were yeah. talking about Justin Bieber, and then he has that really problematic song, and then you tried to justify the problematic song, and then oh yeah, and then yeah yeah, I was like mm hmm, but anyways, <laughs> the song is good, the video is better. That's what really got me hooked because I wanted to watch these dance. Have you seen the with the dancers?
0: Yeah, it's great, right? Oh,
2: it is so amazing, yeah. and so I like spent half the time listening to it trying to like do the dance moves. Um, cannot do them, but anyways, very inspiring for dancing at my house. Sweet, oh, that's the song on repeat, also, uh, the Rihanna and Drake song. But that's yeah, that's an episode in itself, so totally, totally
0: cool. Um, what about you? Uh, since I've been like in uh Core Power Land, that's the yoga studio I teach at. a bunch of the teachers are really obsessed using this Dej Loaf song for squats in our sculpt classes. Oh, I love Dej um, wolf. Yes. Loaf. Uh, wolf. Loaf, right? I know. Yeah. I don't know why it's... I just called her Wolf. Even though... <laughs> There's Lola Wolf, which is a band, which yeah. is a group or a music. Anyway, Dej Loaf. Um, yeah, so back up, uh, we've been using for squats, and it's just so fucking good. And, like, in a lot of times, you know, like you're holding low and pulsing in squats, and, mm-hmm. like, it's so hard not to just, like, like booty dance the shit out of that song totally. um which is which is like a little ridiculous because it's like a bunch of largely white mostly white women like trying to be cool with our with mm-hmm. our like loaf. but yeah. but it's a lot of fun and i and i have been listening to it a lot so that's that radical cool anything else
2: no that's it what a great episode
0: yeah that was a lot of fun to talk about tattoos with you i'm glad we did it yeah
1: Alright, and obviously, yeah. we have a long list of episodes to create for you guys. Yeah, indeed, stay tuned. Come back and join us next week. Alright, we'll catch you next time. I hope I don't run out of time because someone call a referee. Because I just need one more shy Have forgiveness. I know you know that I made those mistakes maybe once or twice. Once or twice, I mean, maybe a couple of hundred times. So let me, oh, let me redeem or oh, redeem oh myself tonight. Cause I just need one more shot. A second chance. Yeah. Is it too late now to say sorry? Cause I'm missing more than just your. Sorry, Yeah, I know oh, that I let you down. Is it too late to say sorry now? I'm not just trying to get you back on me. Oh, no, no. Cause I'm